All right, guys, welcome to the next installment of the international series. I'm Sergio, and here with me, I have Kirby. Kirby, introduce yourself. Hey, hey I'm Kirby. Uh, I am from Malaysia, and I am currently 25 years old. <laughs> oh, giving your age out there, okay. All right. Yeah, man. Let's, let's, let's give it, let's give everything, man. Let's go. Let's give everything out there. Okay, so Kirby, um, real quick, uh, just to avoid any confusion, how, uh, what's your last name? So my last name is Ng. It's, per, uh, it's spelled N-G, but it's pronounced Ng. Oh, okay. Yeah, which is a which is a weird one because people, I think most people don't know don't really know how to pronounce it. It's like there's where's the vowel in it. Well, the pronunciation kind of reminds me of uh, one of my favorite movies called uh, Ung Bak with Tony Ja. Oh, I've not watched that one. Who? <laughs> so when you, when you said your last name, it instantly thought of that movie. But um, do you know what I'm talking oh. about, right? No, I have, I have actually not heard of that show. Uh, oh, my God. Uh, um, well, I highly recommend it. It's Okay. It is going to go to my go-to list now. Yeah. But, uh, I'll send you the uh, pretty much bio on what it's about. All right. <laughs> cool, cool. Six, six, six. All right. So let's get a little bit about um, a little background about yourself. So what Jersey number do you wear and why? Jersey number I wear. So here's a, here's a little funny story. So I, I picked the number originally, my number was number seven. Okay. From like the dawn of time, it was seven. It was just a, like seven just felt cool. Seven just felt sleek. Seven just felt like, Hey, double seven, that kind of thing. Or like, <laughs> Some something about the seven. See, when you when you pick a number eight, it just feels fat for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> but when you pick a number seven, you feel like stick man, you feel like you're this aerodynamic kind of range, the kind of that kind of person. But then when about four or five years ago, my number changed from seven to seventy-seven. <laughs> and there's a reason behind that. So it was at that time where um where I was with uh, I was with my girlfriend at that time, and then we broke up. And then it was it was a messy thing. She didn't want to have anything to do with me. And then her number was seven as well. <laughs> <laughs> and then it came to number jersey selection time. And I'm at this point where I'm trying to get her back at the same time, so I I can't get her angry at me. I can't leave her angry at me. And I will like pick a number, and I still wanted my number seven. So I decided you know what, okay, just to make her appease her, I'll take a number 77. Because literally when I said I wanted seven, she was really angry about it. You can't have the same number as me. I was like, why, why not? No, it's my number. It's like, but it's my number too. <laughs> so hence the number 77. And the real kicker of the whole thing is uh, she was not even on the same team as me at that time. Oh. <laughs> so is this a club team or international? This was a club team. Yeah, this was when we were still starting out, like first or second year into dodgeball. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a strange job, but every, everything's cool now. Me and her, we're cool. We played in the same team later on and everything's cool. But it was a really, really funny story on how I got the number 77, actually. Is that the number you were for GB? No, I think we didn't get to choose our numbers for GB. I'm not. I'm not sure. Can't remember that. But if uh, I had a choice, I would definitely go for 77. <laughs> 77 again. 
Oh man, a love story. That, that's yeah, a new. Man. That's a new one. Did oh, not expect cool that. that. <laughs> okay, so let's talk a little bit about what got you into dodgeball. What got me into dodgeball? Wow. Um. So I started dodgeball pretty. I started dodgeball pretty. I don't know. Is it late? It it's about the same time for most of the guys in Malaysia. We started in college, and when I heard about it, it was with Weisheng, uh, and it was with my bunch of friends, Weisheng, Pyong, and Hengwei. So it's normally just a, it's like the four of us who kind of started at the same time. Uh, he told me about hey, we were playing dodgeball and like in in the park and stuff like that. What is it? It's like throwing balls and stuff like that, and it's, it's like the kind of game that I've always wanted to play. It's like those kind of stupid games of like just fast reaction, not a lot of effort, but like, like, wow, that something about that just seems so appealing to me. <laughs> and so hence it started. And before that, I was already a sports person. I played handball, I played football, basketball, badminton, name the sport, I've probably played it. But something oh. about dodgeball it just feels like, a, oh, fast reaction, throw a ball at someone, someone gets out. And you get a move dodge. So yeah, that was the first draw into like dodgeball at around the age of 18 in the college years. Yeah. So what year was this? This was probably 20, 2013, 2012, possibly. Oh, wow. That's quite a while ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'd say 2013. Yeah. 2013. So safe to assume your first impression of dodgeball was just all the fun you wanted to have and more. Yes, dude. Just, uh, it's one of those things where, where you see all these random sports. Like there's the traditional sports, which is football, basketball, badminton. But dodgeball is such a niche thing. It's like, I play ultimate frisbee as well. And I, lo- I love ultimate frisbee. It's like such a niche thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, actually, I play ultimate frisbee here too. So, oh, well, oh. before COVID. So I, that's <laughs> we have in common. Uh, yeah. Speaking of which, um, how did how have you adapted to COVID? In terms of uh, my life, in terms or... of a little bit of dodgeball, a little bit of your life, like like where were you when you found out everything was shutting down, and how you adjusted? All right, so that's an interesting one. So I actually stopped. Uh, I had to stop playing for a bit because I tore my ACL. Uh, so yeah, I, there's a whole list of injury stories I could, I could give to you as well, the whole background. But at the moment in time, I was waiting when COVID was happening. And just before that, for in January, early this year, I couldn't really play dodgeball because I was waiting for my surgery, which was going to take place in like April. Oh, so okay. pretty much it was just rehab, not playing anything and just waiting for my surgery. Yeah, someone uh, asked about that in the questions, so we'll get into that a little bit more. But yeah, um, yeah, for sure. But yeah, so you were pretty much already sidelined even before the pandemic hit. I was sidelined right after the right after Cancun. Eesh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, pretty much. Yeah. So after Cancun, I was like, okay. So uh, when when did this happen in Cancun? Now now I gotta know. <laughs> uh, uh, okay uh so oh this is it's a, a bit of a long story but i'm trying to summarize it as much as i can uh we got time yeah <laughs> it, uh it links back to my first injury so in 20 
what we say, 2016, 2017, I tore my meniscus my, uh, in the early of the years, okay? I was playing ultimate frisbee, I ran, and then my leg was full, sort of full extension. But my brain, my brain thought I landed. My leg thought I haven't land, I, well, I haven't landed yet. So I basically full burst power straight leg into the ground. So that's how the ministers got torn. And, yeah, I felt that. Uh, whew, man, that was ooh, thinking about that. That was intense, man. That was intense. So, oh, so when your meniscus gets hit and when it tears, your leg locks up. So what they had to do was they took me to the emergencies. The, the ambulance came over and then they went, went to, this was in Bath. So they went to the Bath hospital. And what the doctor had to do was my leg was bent and it couldn't move up or down. So he had to slowly straighten it as much as possible. Mm. Can you imagine the agony of that happening? It's just slowly, oh, just, just, he just wiggles you, he tries to stretch you, but just slowly straightens it. And yeah. that was the first incident. <laughs> okay. Because then um, I went to the doctors and the doctors, uh, so NHS is the, the UK free healthcare system, right? It's the it's it's good because it's free, but it's not exactly the fastest. You have to wait in line and stuff like that. And uh, normally, in cases of meniscus, they need an MRI scan. But this is what the doctor told me: "Oh, your leg seems fine. So you know, just uh, just if nothing happens, then it's okay." A month <laughs> later, uh, I was literally just on like the dance floor and just twisted to the left. My leg got stuck again, and this was Ooh. just in a month. And this was like sort of the most sort of horrible, horrible experience because I was wheelchaired out of the club. <laughs> and this was, was in straight. UK? And this was still in UK, yeah. Oh. I was wheelchaired out of the club and there was an incident where someone had to, someone accidentally did not see the sofa in front and she was pushing me out and she actually slammed into the sofa full force into it. <sighs> And I screamed even louder than the music. Man, that, that was insane. Uh, that was the second incident. And then the third incident is when I tried, oh, a month later as well. I thought, okay, the MRI is on the way. Um, a lot of emergency visits in the hospital. Okay, I'll, maybe I can try dodgeball. Seems all right. And literally one minute on the court and boom, I was falling flat down because my leg got stuck again. So three incidents. And then this time we really went to the NHS. We went to the hospital. And they said, you know what? You actually need, need a surgery. <laughs> it's like, really? <laughs> I kind of <laughs> needed the surgery in the first time. But they said, yeah, you need a surgery now. So in two days, I got surgery. And then I got the surgery done in about April. Uh, surgery done in April. And then uh, basic, basically, I was not operational for a, for like... I'm not supposed to go back into sports for six, four to six months. Uh, this is why it gets interesting. So this is the year after Canada. Is it? No, this is the year just before Canada. Okay. Uh, after Australia. So this is the year Canada. And okay. Malaysia tryouts happen from January all the way to September. Oh, and pretty long process. I, yeah. And I was in the middle of studying in the UK. 
from the seasons go by September to June. So then summer will be June to September, right? Right. Yeah. So yeah. based of, based of all that, I basically had to I had to rush my recovery in order to try out for Canada because I was already behind everybody because they were trying out since January. And then I had just a new injury, so I had to rush it in by and and meet the final selection date, which is normally about July to July to August. So it was a bit of a risky one, but with my left leg meniscus injury, I managed to do two months, uh, three months and go back into sports, which the recommended deadline is normally six months for a meniscus repair. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a scary one. <laughs> So that was the left leg. And then two years later to what it is now, because of the left leg incident, um, I've, I've put so much force in my right leg that a year ago I played football and I kicked, I just kicked the ball and I heard a snap, but I did not know uh, if that was a serious thing or not. And I was in a certain bit of pain, but it wasn't like crazy. And I continued sports until we went to Cancun, which is the second incident where... I'm not sure if you saw the first game against uh, GB versus USA, where um, I think it was second half or something like that. I burst full full forward into like a, a motion, and I dropped down into the ground. Did you do you remember that, or did you see that? Uh, was this in round robin? Yes, this was round robin. Like the okay, first game. okay. So I do remember seeing that, and I was kind of puzzled, but I got no update. Um, as far as to what happened there, but yeah, sorry, bud. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So basically, it was just a, it was just basically me running, running front, and then uh, I just had to collapse because I felt like something was almost gonna snap, and I felt a bit of pain. Uh, thankfully, like nothing happened during that day. Then, uh, I was I was sitting out the whole day. Didn't want to risk it, and the coach said like, yeah, you know what, just. Take a break. Take a take a chill for this day and see if tomorrow happen. Tomorrow it gets better, and you can start playing. The next day came and my leg wasn't swelling, so that means like okay, it means it's not something so serious that you know blood requires to go into the go into the bloodstream or go into the knees and heal itself. So I continued playing the next day, and this was the second incident. Finished Cancun, went back, went back, uh, went back to Malaysia. And then I tried frisbee for frisbee for one of the incident, and then I ran a normal straight line, and then my leg gave way. I just collapsed to the ground, and then I was like, "Okay, I need the MRI scan." Even though the doctors told me, "Like, hey, this is fine. Uh, if nothing happens, it's okay. Something happened." So I went for MRI scan, and they found out that my meniscus was torn slightly, but my ACL was torn fully. And I asked them, "When did this happen? This happened a year ago." It's like what? A year ago, it didn't happen in Cancun. It happened when I was playing football, and in between that time, I was still doing all kinds of sports without the ACL, which is the ligament that supports sort of like your knees together. Yeah. So yeah, that was an insane thing, and basically that's how both my knees are pretty much broken right now. <laughs> yeah, talk about a series of unfortunate events, man. Oh, I mean out. I, I, as you were telling the story, I was kind of cringing because, um, I mean, I've had issues with my knees, but nothing to that extent ever. And I've seen 
pretty gnarly injuries, uh, ACL, PCL, MCL, even torn meniscus and even dislocations. And I don't care how many times I hear a story like that. It just never gets, I never get used to it. <laughs> yeah. It, it never gets better. Right. It's, no, uh, it, it doesn't. Sometimes it gets worse. <laughs> so, as you're telling that, telling that story, I'm like, uh, probably might want to ice my knee after this interview. Um, oh, dude. You know, probably want to do an MRI scan, man. Nah, nah I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. Uh, you, say, you, I, you say that, but I didn't know my ACL was torn and I was still playing everything. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, gotta get an MRI scan. You know what? That'll be the uh, first thing to do in the morning, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get back to... Um, you say, so you say you played a lot of sports growing up. Um, yeah. Which one would you say was the one or two sports that helped you transition at dodgeball? Oh, um, handball. Easily handball. Any particular reason why handball? Um, basically, the movement's the same. The, the objective of handball is basically um, get the ball, throw the ball into the net. So that was where I got my sort of mechanics for throwing. It's like, oh, okay. It's the same like shoot accuracy, shoot for power. And uh, that's how it goes into the goal. Um, then when it comes to like, I guess, dodging and quick quick ref- reflexes and stuff like that, it will be more towards, I guess, basketball, where it's all these movements and changing your shifting of body and stuff like that. So that's probably the combination of both of that. All right. That makes sense. Um yeah. So I mean, yeah, yeah. Handball and basketball will be the given. Did you play on the court handball or did you play on the beach? Oh, on the court. Do people play on the beach? <laughs> well, I mean, I know there's some countries that play beach. I know we in LA we have it in beach as well. But um, yeah. Um, and the ball is, I think, slightly lighter. In right, the court. Right. And the one indoors is slightly heavier, but I think otherwise the same game. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, but then you don't get to like bounce the ball if it's in the beach, right? No, uh, you don't get to bounce it. You, it's more of a passing game in that sense. Right, right. Fair. But, um, but yeah, no. Yeah, I know and... the Austria team, They all of them are handball players. Yes, because Austria is so sick in handball. They, their <laughs> national team is insane. Have you seen some of the spins that they do? They go up mid-air and then they change directions last minute? Like, dude, what is that? <laughs> what I've is seen, that? I've seen some sick handball highlights where it's like <sighs> the thrower, and it could be Austria, it could be England or whatever, but like the thrower will like flick almost the ball in a way where it like spins in, a, in, <sighs> in an awkward way. Like, like I call it like a sidewinder or a knuckle, which is just like, yeah, I, you oh, can't see it, but I can demonstrate the movement. It's just I tried doing that with a foam ball and it hurt my shoulder really bad. <laughs> oh, is it one of those side throws that? Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah, was just yeah, it was yeah. a side throw, and they like flicked their whole wrist like counterclockwise, and it's just yeah. Handball is a sport that not many people know about, but it's definitely fun to watch for sure. Oh yeah, and it's also <laughs> the highest injury as well. ACLs, man. <sighs> That's Ooh, gonna be the theme of this the episode. Ground. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I do miss handball though. I do. I do miss handball. 
Um, all right, so let's let's talk about uh, let's give a little uh, backstory. Like, uh, what's your play style, background? Like, if you were to break down how you play, are you more offensive, defensive? Where do you like to play? Right. What do you like to do? All right, fair. Uh, I think my play style. Ooh. Not gonna lie, I haven't thought about dodgeball for quite some time after this pandemic. So I'm <laughs> just trying to <laughs> analyze again, like how how do I play? I think. I lean towards playing a very aggressive kind of role. So, I play my playstyle is very um, just fast and making that quick decision, and trying to catch people with the pre throws, especially, or on the on the on the dot kind of timing. So yeah, I'm more towards a very uh, aside from like just the physical side, I'm a very tactical player. So I love sort of like I love game plan uh play lo- loads of chess and stuff like that so i love game plan and seeing what strategies work uh and i love a- analytics as well so i always count the amount of shots it hits and how it doesn't hit and stuff like that so yeah a lot of a lot of a lot of um a lot of tactical gameplays that is incorporated into how i play it's like percentages statistics is going through my mind every time and strats is just consistently just going in and going in yeah, um, I would say whenever I see you on film, whether it's Malaysia or even uh, GB, you're very fast. You're very accurate. Uh, you don't take a lot of shots. But then again, that you know, when you're on GB, you have Straubs and you have other talented players. Oh, yes. Probably take, huh? Yeah, exactly. So you probably have other talented players to kind of feed off of. But I feel like you pretty much have a high percent, uh, high percentage hit. Anytime you take a hit, you pretty much land it so you're well timed in that end and yeah you're i would i would say you're we're kind of similar only you're more counterintuitive <laughs> counterintuitive uh yeah you i look for your opportunities and you take it yes yeah i think i look for a lot of, of opportunities but i choose not to take it when it doesn't fit fit sort of like there's always this instinctual time to play it and then there's always this statistical time to play it like which is the more tactical option uh, and I realized like one of the big things that people don't do in the world of dodgeball is counting shots. And maybe that's why my hit rate is a bit higher than most people is because I, and I don't throw a lot and I get the hit rate is because I count shots. If I'm throwing a couple of balls and it's not hitting, that means I should give it or pass it on to someone else. If there's someone else like Strops or Johnny, who's a bigger, massive throws as well, they, 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 they small wind up and just big throws statistically and logically they should be the main gunners first before i come in and i come in only when they they are missing their shots that's where i push in yeah so yeah and even strop said just before i left for cancun he said the biggest thing that he learned from me was actually to count the shots so yeah that was basically that's one what it is you try to fit your percentage and your effectiveness with the blueprint of your team Yes. Yeah, that's pretty obvious. <laughs> but um, it's not necessarily that it always works out because sometimes you get teams with, um, un, <laughs> I don't know, man, how you put it, in hero hero modes or people who have hero modes or people who just rather not count and play by feelings. So <laughs> it doesn't always work out, man. Well, it doesn't work out with them, but at the same time, you have to. Whenever I see 
players like that who play hero ball, one of two things are going to happen. Either they're going to succeed or they're going to fail. And it's just a matter of how you adapt to the situation given. And for those who are playing hero ball, you just have to think to yourself as a person on the other end of the spectrum, even the Avengers lost. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, even they lost. So you can win in that situation because if they're constantly focusing on playing the solo role, so to speak, you have the numbers and you just have to have the wherewithal and execution to just withstand the storm, so to speak, and, you know, go like Infinity War. Let the Avengers lose. You are right. You are right. (laughs) Next time that (laughs) happens, I hope hope Tony Stark just comes up with all his galaxy friends. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I mean, you got some galaxy friends over in the UK right now. I mean, you have Straubs, you have uh, Simon Jones, you have, you know, David uh, Poole, Johnny Day. Like, you got a lot of talent on that team. And oh, they yes. throughout the tournament. And I was watching yes. them in particular. They they were only getting better in foam. And yes. I was personally proud of them because, you know, I became good friends with a lot of them in the past couple of years. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, insane. So, um, yeah. did you have any role models growing up, whether role they be athletes or uh, athletes? Oof. I was a huge Terry Henry fan for a bit. I'm a huge Kobe Bryant fan as well. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so, yeah, these these are the guys. Uh, but in dodgeball, mate, I got I gotta give it out to I gotta give out to my daddy Mergler. <laughs> Jason Mergler? Yes, he is. Wait, why'd you call father. him your daddy? He is my dad. He he <laughs> I am his son. Let's instill that right here. I am his son. <laughs> you are his son. <laughs> oh wait, no. I, I think it he, he he's the only inspiration I have for like international players. Like he I saw him when I was I wasn't even in a national team or way before like first year of my dodgeball career. Uh it was I think it was UDC. I just saw this guy who's just just super accurate, super super flexible, but at the same time super tall as well. <laughs> so yeah, that was Murga. He was he was doing this pump fix, which is like unseen of. You know, all these guys uh, doing this pump fix with like the whole the whole hand sort of thing going over over the head and stuff. And he was just doing a flick and just like, oh, dude, that's that looks cool, and that looks really effective. And ever since then, dude, mate, Murga, man. We've got, we've got, we've got, we've got good, good father and son relationship. <laughs> I don't think I'm ever going to call someone my dad personally, but it's <laughs> each their own. I will call this white man my dad. I'll call this Canadian my dad any day. Yeah, we no. went there. We went there. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I would say I have to agree. Kobe Bryant, if anyone who knows me knows. I've followed that man his entire career and oh, man. I can tell you where I was with all his career highlights. Like yeah, yeah. when he dropped 81, I was across the street oh, <laughs> man, watching on like the big screen outside. Like it, it, I can literally tell you where I was through all his moments is right. He, he means that much to me and Dude, Thierry Henry. Yeah. For um, for some of the people who probably don't know, Thierry Henry, in my opinion, is the best Premier League player ever. Yes. Best Premier League player. And, and this, Ooh. nothing against Harry Kane 
or Virgil. Oh, even in this century, yeah. <laughs> I would I would give him in the past twenty years. Oof, I mean, I would I would have given the title tall. to. Yeah, no, I, I'd yeah, give yeah. I, I would give the title to um, Cristiano Ronaldo, but he is more acclaimed in Spain. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, there's something about the way he moved on the field and just scored seemingly willingly. Exactly. Uh, I, I, you know, he, yeah, he's one of the more prolific scorers mm-hmm. in French history, Premier League history, and there's not going to be another one like him, at least not for a while. Yeah, and I mean, Austin was where it was because of him for a long time. It was just because of him. He carried that whole team on his back. <laughs> and he and David Seaman as well. David Seaman was, was, was good goalkeeper. Yeah. Is David. Okay. Yeah. We can we can go into all that about football. <laughs> I can tell this could be a totally different podcast. <laughs> it's true. I mean, I did work for a football club as well. So, <laughs> oh, did you? Uh, so when I went back, so I'll give you a little brief of my like sort of history. So I went, I I was in Malaysia up to the age of like twenty. Okay, and then I went okay. to the UK, Cardiff specifically, for three years. After that, I went back to Malaysia for like just a five months thing while I was doing freelance. I do a lot. I do, I do videos, I do graphics, I do all this editing and stuff like that. And then Cardiff Football Club asked me to go back and work for them full time. So, so within a week, I had to pack all my stuff and just fly over to Cardiff. So oh. I was working in Cardiff Football Club for a year. And then from Cardiff, I went to UK. So that's sort of my story, my life in UK. And then after Cancun, I decided to quit Cardiff Football Club and then come back to Malaysia. So you were working out in the Welsh Premier League? It wasn't the Welsh Premier League. They were in the the Premier League for the first, for that year that I was working with them. And then they got relegated. Okay. Chelsea. Um, (laughs) Chelsea, I was trying to figure out when they got relegated or if you were there when they were. Yeah, yeah, just like, just last year. <laughs> but yeah, no, no, people, yeah, people look up to is definitely for dodgeball, mate. Muggler's, Muggler's team, man. And hey, mate, he's, he's such a cool guy. Every year we exchange jerseys, so it's insane. You probably, you, probably, you have but, your dad's jersey hanging in the background, don't you? Bro, I have the jersey framed up in my room, bro. It's just, there's lights over it. Hey, what's up, Ooh. man? Let's go. You, you see, this, this, is, this is established so much that he calls me son as well. <laughs> he calls me son. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, but yeah, Mugo is cool, dude, man. He's, he's, he's cool, man. <laughs> nah, he, nah, he is, he is. All right. Um, do you have any pregame rituals before you step on the court? Pre-game rituals. Um, I don't sleep, and that's not a ritual. That just happens. <laughs> so you don't sleep the night before, or so I don't sleep the night before. I'm just thinking of the next game. I'm trying to sleep. It's like I need to be super exhausted to sleep, but I don't know something about that. But pre-game, no specific, no specific sort of um. No, just a typical warm-up. No, no music music before game kind of thing i mean not that i put it for music the kind so no, no nothing interesting to be honest just warm-ups <laughs> and just chores and in anxiety the night before uh yes anxiety the night before 
So how how um, how do you typically some typically some typical prayer sometimes the the the, the game before don't know why <laughs> it's come a habit it's like um God let me win. <laughs> you, you and Heidi have the same ritual, and that's oh dizzy. <laughs> yeah, every time if you ever see him on uh on stream or whatever, like yeah, he just he, he prays on the sideline, then he steps on. Right, right, yeah. Like when when you mentioned that, I'm like, yeah, you and Heidi. (laughs) All right, so let's get to the crowdsource questions. All right, hold on. So we have a few. Um, So Dominic Borgia. um, (laughs) Good old Dominic. Yeah, he was he was uh, one of the photographers in Cancun. Yeah, Since yeah. Leaving GB, do you have plans on trying out for playing team? Uh, but all right, let me try it again. Since <laughs> leaving GB, do you have plans on trying out or playing for Team Malaysia? Uh, yes, actually. So, yes, that was the like my intent is to be always playing for the national team until I I I, I can't play no more. So yeah, uh, I can't play in GB anymore because I don't have a job there, work visa, or I can't move to uh, GB now. So it's just basically wherever my home country is, uh, the country that I'm currently in, that's the place where I'm going to try it for. Yeah, the interesting thing is whether I can try in the sense of my injury because supposedly if it was this year, the trials would be in January, but I wouldn't have recovered in time because I just took my surgery and I wasn't able to walk for quite some time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So definitely we'll try for the Malaysian squad. Yeah. And he's also asked, um, how's the injury healing? <laughs> so injury is we're in, I am in five months of five months of post-op. Uh, it's not so bad actually. Um, I've been rock climbing since the third month, uh, but I can't jump down, so I gotta slowly sort of like climb down. You can't have any explosive moves. I can't play badminton. I still can't play basketball. I can't do all those explosive kind of sports. So I still gotta build, build it. Yeah, build it slowly. And with the whole lockdown, it's just been a bit harder to sort of build because. I don't know. Gyms are gyms. Gyms are closed. There's less sports events. Uh, dodgeball. I tried once or twice, and that was just before our second lockdown. Because currently we are in a second lockdown. Oh, okay. So yeah, I'm, I'm surprisingly still could play, but a very slow pace thing. None of that fast motion you've seen. So very slow. So yeah. When do you think you'll be at a hundred percent? I'm gonna. I'm gonna aim for March. I'm gonna aim for March. Yeah. Typically, it takes a year for ACL recovery to go back into your like at least eighty percent performance rate. But if you're a sports uh, at athlete, it's normally take about nine months, hopefully. So yeah, yeah I'm gonna aim for March is my deadline. March is my deadline. And I'm not rushing anymore because Worlds is probably not happening next year. <laughs> you think so? I don't know, man. I it doesn't seem like it's gonna happen next year. Um, England just went back into another lockdown. Australia, Australia is doing well. America doesn't seem like it's doing well for Corona. 
Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's not just dependent on the UK as well because it depends on everyone. If everyone's ready, then we can go. I think the Asian countries are quite ready because we are quite safe. We're, we're like really low in numbers. But I think a lot of the Western countries are suffering a little bit. Yeah, I would say. Um, I don't like that you said that you don't think there might not be a Worlds next year. Yeah, I, but, I don't like it either, but man. But, but then again, I didn't like the fact that we're in our quarantine thing still. Oh, <laughs> it started wow. back in March and we're still in it in November. Yeah, you but, guys, uh, oh, that's, that's insane. You guys are still in it. It's yeah, it's quite, it's I mean, if anything, right now, at least in Los Angeles, we're way, we're worse off than we were back in March as far as numbers go. Oh, really? I thought it was getting better in LA. Wow. It kind of took a dip, but then it just it went up, I want to say, in the past three months. Right. Um, like, right. depending on where you go, like, there's either safety precautions being taken or everything's going back to normal and yep. we yep. shouldn't be yep <laughs> but um right. yeah no i caught word of that uh england going back into lockdown but i think it's only going to be for another month just yep. to kind of yep. see where they are all right and it's the whole work from home kind of thing as well for everyone yeah right <laughs> but um i'm hoping that it clears up sometime next year because I want to play in the foam open. I want to play in the British open again. Um, <laughs> I had such a blast over there, dude. You have no idea. Oh, <laughs> British open. Yeah. I had like, ease, that's easily one of like my career highlights right there. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just oh, man, playing good. cloth at a high level, Yeah, but it wasn't like national team level. I got to see London storm, Manchester bees. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Spartans. But to be honest, that is like the top of the game anyway. British Open is the top like rank game for Opens. Like, yeah. I mean, that's why I went. I mean, it's only like, it's either that and go to Euros. And I definitely want to go to a Euro as well. Oh, man. Uh, let me tell you, dude. Euros, okay, this is insane. But Euros is actually really enjoyable. Like, as a... As a, I don't know, there's something about there's something different about Euros and the WTBF when it comes to competitions. It's just the atmosphere the U- Europeans have is just insane. They are fun. <laughs> they are fun. It's like they've they've got all these cheers. They get the crowd going. Then especially the Austrians, they get the crowd going. They bring a big boombox to give a cheer going on and the in. Euros feels like a really different environment compared to w- uh, compared to the World Championship for some reason, and it's I don't know it's just a little bit more fun when it comes to Euros. Yeah, I, I mean, so wait a minute, hold on. Um, rewind that back. I heard Austria did that in New York. Oh yeah, where they brought like a boombox and they came out like yeah, a yeah. subway. Yeah, they do that all the time then. Yeah, yeah. Some of it may be a little bit annoying, but <laughs> for uh, for other parts where you know, they get the crowd going without the boombox, and you know, like they get like, hey, everybody, come, you know, cheer, and then they do like different momentum of claps and stuff like that. It's just, it's just fun. It's just atmosphere. It's just, it's crazy. They make a mosh pit after you win. It's insane. 
yeah. I don't know if that was the same feeling in New York. I I can't imagine it's the same because only the Austrians are there. But when when in, in Euros you got the Swedish people, you got the Switzerland people, they are all just they're they're out there just to have fun, really. So it's I really like Euros. Yeah, no, I mean I, I, I am from what I gather just from some of my friends out there who were playing and happened to show up, like they were having a blast with it. They were just like first they were wondering where the music was coming from, then they see everyone from Austria come out of the subway tunnels or whatever and Oh yeah. <laughs> they were just kind of dancing in the rain because they couldn't get in the gym. Exactly. Oh man. Yeah, that I mean now now I really want to go check them out at least. I definitely yeah. want to go check them out. <laughs> Euros is just worth even coming just to see like I don't know you know even it, these Austrians are crazy man they were crazy they were, they were in the club and they were, they, were try, they were trying to climb up the ceiling and stuff like that without their shirts on <laughs> oh god <laughs> and then like so the club ended like 1am they had to like kick everybody out after the after party and then they were outside oh so what do we do oh we got boombox so they partied from 1am to like 4am outside of the club <laughs> It was up to the point the cops have to come over just to stop the like, the camaraderie that was happening. Oh my god! They were going hard, like everyone else was gone, but they were still going until like four a.m. So the Euro- Europeans really know how to like, have a good time. Oh yeah, I mean I've been invited to several, or to hang out with several people should a next Euro happen. So I'll definitely uh, look forward to that. Yeah, man. <laughs> my liver won't, but. Um... <laughs> Go go without the alcohol and just just go for like the hype. Just go for the having fun moments. Adrenaline. I'm, just pump the Red Bull in. Well, I mean, I mean that that goes without saying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this one is actually something I wanted to ask. And oh, yeah. go for it. the biggest difference in play style between GB and Malaysia. Ooh. The biggest difference. Um because you played for foam in Canada. Yes. You've also played for GB in Cancun. Yes. So what would you say is the biggest difference in as far as collective playstyle goes? So as far as collective playstyle goes, um, that's the thing. Among all the other countries, I think GB is this is the closest and the most similar playstyle to Malaysia. Because Malaysia <laughs> is definitely different from Australia. Malaysia is definitely different from Canada and definitely maybe closer a little bit to America, right? But in terms of playstyle, GB would probably be the closest to Malaysia because of the cloth game. So you're comparing the cloth game as well? Yeah, so so how it started with uh, GB cloth is... Uh, so, so there's a cloth game, right? So the cloth game is full of sort of exchanges and stuff like that. So it goes back and forth and stuff like that. Uh, there's like, there's loads of exchange, there's loads of a fast-paced movement, counter-attack, something like And they've managed to actually in- incorporate that into their foam playing style. And that's why at certain moments, when you see a new team go into foam, it's normally a really slow kind of game. Like everyone just moves up a little bit and come back down and just wait for it. Whereas GB is different, everyone plays fast, everyone goes for the exchange, everyone goes for the play, which is something Malaysia is known for, the counter games. Yeah. Um, if, I, if I had to say how 
at least from my perspective, having watched both teams play, I would say GB is closest as far as like playing almost like America, almost like Canada. Um, But they're not as elusive as Malaysia. Malaysia, like you got to hit them or they're going to come at you with three balls at least. Yeah. Like they they will make you pay for their mistakes. And they're almost, even though they're really good at cloth, I feel like they're really suited for foam. And they even give our guys fits. Our best throwers are most accurate. And <laughs> Wait, you mean know, Malaysia is suited for foam or uh, GB is suited for foam? Well, no. What I'm saying is like Malaysia is more suited. I mean, oh, okay. even though they're both top yeah. two, yeah, in in respective uh, disciplines, I feel like yeah. if you were to ask me where they're better at, it'd be foam. Yes. So that that honestly, that's a hands down. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be a head Yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I feel like with GB, the way that they grew in that tournament, you know, closing the gaps as far as scoring, playing effective, playing with the foam ball that they probably never touched maybe once or twice, they're going to be a force to reckon with. Uh, I definitely can see them being in the top four, even being a threat to win a medal one day. Yeah, and it's true. The amount, the on the total amount of trading we've had was five, before Cancun, five tradings. You mean five sessions? Yes. Only five. So it's insane how much they grew. So, I'd say like for GB, uh, they did really well, and the only reason why they couldn't get the points, is because they're so used to the clock game of not having to finish games, right? In a cough game, time ends and then the game is finished. But in form, you need to end the games. If if they had the chance where they didn't have to sort of um, they didn't have to sort of finish the games, you'd see the point difference be so much closer than what it what it was for GP. Even though they lost all the major games, it was so close into certain games like Canada versus GP. It was so close as well. Uh, in different games, maybe not to Australia, uh, maybe not to. Maybe not to Malaysia and to um, USA, but USA. with Hong Kong, with Mexico, it was like kind of a close game for people who's only played five five trainings together, five sessions together, and completely new game. Well, I mean, you guys might have only had five training sessions, but everyone on that team was smart. Everyone had high IQ, so it wasn't like you guys couldn't adapt. And there was no there was no doubt in my mind that you guys couldn't adapt and, and grow from that experience. But what did surprise me and what made me happy, like I said, because I have friends on that team too, yeah. was just how how quickly they adapted. Yeah, that was insane. So that's that's precisely my point. It only it's only five sessions and the the, the 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 speed of the adaptation and to play in the high level, that was insane. <laughs> All right, so we're going to go into the tough four questions. Uh, first one, Kirby. Yeah. If there's one thing in dodgeball you can change, what would it be? <laughs> um, single ball type. Single ball type? Are yeah, you, single oh, ball you mean type. like... What having... do you mean by dodgeball? Like, uh, would you change a certain rule? Would you change All right. a format? Would you change... Or pick a ball type or even how it's marketed literally yeah, anything yeah. 
Yeah. So uh, first thing is in Singapore side, like that. I think that is my biggest thing. Like I think we we just need a Singapore type. <laughs> uh, the, uh, I think it just makes it even e- easier and universal for ev- everything to sort of go to. Uh, in terms of change, there was there used to be a rule in in foam where um there used to be a rule in foam where it was um the timer doesn't reset when you throw a ball. It only resets if someone else throws it. If the person that's supposed to throw it throws it. Yeah, I'll bring back that rule of like the timer doesn't reset. I definitely think that was a big dynamic game changer. To make games go faster? Mm, no, to, to make games go faster is one, but to make it more, in a sense, more tactical. In Because then you're forced to sort of like, you can go for that counter, but now people counter less because they feel like, oh, the punishment for countering is too high. So people just hold the ball anyway. So it makes it variations of game just kind of happens, I feel. Okay. Um, so I kind of forgot to ask this before, but what would you rank uh, your favorite ball type, foam or cloth? Which oh, one's your favorite? Uh, I'm definitely foam. <laughs> I am 100% foam. Uh, everyone on, every, I think everyone on GB knows this. I think everyone from anywhere knows this. I, yeah. <laughs> I like, uh, yeah, I love foam, man. Uh, I think it's just the variations, the accessibility, the the higher ceiling that foam foam ball gives you, uh, and the different styles of gameplay. Uh, yeah, I just full on foam. Cloth <laughs> was something I had to pick up because I was in England. Oh, I was in UK. That's why. Yeah, I mean, it took me a while to get used to it, but I actually enjoy it. So. Yeah, I I understand why uh cloth is sort of um I understand why cloth is what it is. Like it's in its fast pace, it's nicer to watch. Uh but I feel like cloth is more catered towards people with better physical abilities than a more tactical sort of thing. Meaning it's for I don't know if you know this, but I think for your Asian size, it's it's a bigger disadvantage for Asians to play in cloth because we have smaller, in general, we have smaller hands, we have smaller build and we can never achieve like the bigger builds that other people can have with because cloth is so reliant on like raw power and just raw strengths and skills. I, I, I can see that. I mean, the only outlier I would say is that Malaysia consistently is in the top two in that as well. I mean, and yeah. not to be, not to be a downer, but you guys aren't built like giants. So there's clearly <laughs> a there's clearly something to to be said about how the smaller man can adjust to an otherwise yeah. bigger man that, ball type. Yeah. So so that's why in even in the cloth game, uh Malaysia relies on speed. Re- Malaysia relies on the exchange. Malaysia doesn't rely on big trolls, which is why sort of um yeah, which is I mean, yeah, we can go on this long conversation about cloth and <laughs> But in general, I'm not saying cloth is bad. I'm I'm not saying we should sort of uh, rob cloth of anybody. And if everyone is already playing cloth, yes, we should play cloth when we can, uh, when other competitions go in. But yeah, uh, but there is that small disadvantage for people who are not built well, and that's the I think that advantage of like foam that has is its balance. If you're big, you get a big throw, but you dodge less. But if you're small, you dodge better, but you you not don't necessarily have that big show. So it's that fine balance between 
all of that sort of thing. All right, that I can understand. Yeah, no, I wasn't saying get rid of cloth. I actually enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) But I I will have to agree. I feel like foam is, for the most part, the one ball type that anyone can throw, and it offers for more dynamic gameplay as well as tactics. Yeah. I'll definitely it's more, agree with yeah, you on that. It's definitely more tactical, though. But the disadvantage of it is less watchable because some phone games are really, really boring because it's so tactical. I mean, that also comes down to the play style of the teams, though, because you can, like, like over here, we play rubber. You know, sometimes yeah. we have teams that go at it and they go in a shootout, and then sometimes you have teams who play it slow. But if you yeah. switch the ball type, you get the same product. Yeah, exactly. So, oh, man, I don't think it's uh, the ball type that it's the yeah. it's the rules as well because cloth doesn't have that as much because it's forced to throw fast, meaning there's a five second that counts down, and if not, the person that doesn't throw the ball dies. So, cloth is designed to move a bit faster than foam. Yeah, that's what I learned when I was over there. <laughs> <laughs> but um. But I think that's also why I was able to like adjust because I was just sort of forced to. <laughs> right, exactly. So it's a bit like, wow, okay. It's a it's a good it's it's a nicer pace. I, I do prefer the cloth pace, which is like it's consistently like hey, moving, moving. It's more exciting to watch, definitely. So would you say you would like to play foam but with cloth rules? Mm, Make it faster? Uh, no, I wouldn't as well, because tactically it's not great. <laughs> <laughs> because it's not okay imagine imagine you've got uh, three balls on your side two balls on that side the people person with the three balls if ball play is called you gotta show two balls correct that means correct. it puts you in an absolutely big disadvantage because the person in front of you has four balls now and one ball behind Malaysia won the first year of 2016 in the World Cup because they already played foam right so right. they understand how to control the game, holdings and stuff like that. So they already had the tactics to, uh, to in, in some sense, be in advantage with the tactics because these are the tactics used in foam anyway. So they played that four ball, single ball, or those counters. Because if you counter, you always sort of win because four balls, uh, three balls, two balls kind of thing. So tactically, it puts you too much into a disadvantage and it forces too many things. It's not a balanced sort of game. It's more luck basis sometimes. Not say, I wouldn't say luck basis, but it's less tactically controlled. Kind of backpedaling, but that matchup, the semifinal matchup in 2016 with Wales and Malaysia is still one of my top five favorite oh. of all time. Oh, that is so, that is so, oh man. That's actually so, yeah. And I know you were on the Welsh side, but I know part of you had to be happy to see that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Oh, that's actually so much. There's so much backstory. I'm not sure if you, if I can actually say it out in public or not. I'm actually not sure. Okay, fair enough. You can share it with me privately. It's fine. <laughs> All right, yeah, I'll share it with you privately. I'm on the fence here, but there is... Uh, I think your mind will be blown. I mean, you can record it and see if it's suitable or not. It's up to you. Uh, yeah. No, no, it's fine. You can share it to me privately. It's fine. <laughs> okay. okay. This will be a hidden nugget. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that literally... I remember watching that game 
And because of the time difference, I was watching it like seven in the morning. Oh my gosh. That, that and, I'm, and I'm just like, that was a comeback of the century or the decade yeah. for sure. <laughs> that that game was the pinnacle of how I'd say cloth really boosted up in Malaysia. That I think that that was the game that that secured that pinnacle uh, that that rise in cloth in Malaysia. Yeah, it made that big a difference. Yes, and that game is such a import. It's it is astoundingly important for the cloth scene. That game. <laughs> But yeah, I'll, I'll give you all the hidden nuggets afterwards. But yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying not to go into it because I, I still got to go through these other three questions. Okay, yeah, so how far do you think dodgeball can go? How far do I think dodgeball can go? Like, do you um, think it can go to the Olympics? I think, um, so an Australian guy told me this, there's no real sort of need to go to the Olympics because... We we crave for the Olympics, but generally, uh, but generally it doesn't sort of make a big giant difference because some of the world biggest tournaments are not like for example football is not in the Olympics. Sorry, it is in the Olympics, but it's yeah, not treated it as sorry is in the Olympics, but it's not treated as the biggest thing. Well, World Cup is. World Cup is. Like basketball is in the Olympics, but it's also not treated as the biggest thing. NBA Finals. Yeah, NBA Finals is the biggest thing. So it's things like that. Like our sport needs the Olympics for publicity, for publicity side, and maybe a, a, a sense of prestige. But we don't exactly need it, need it to sort of be the sport that it is. I actually didn't think about it like that. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Even... Yeah, if you think about football, the best players in the world are playing on the Olympics, but they're under 25. Yep. You're talking about basketball, but the best players are already in the NBA, and it's really the NBA Finals you should be watching. Yep. And to some extent, even the World Cup is kind of watered down because you're really only watching the Euros, and that's more intense, but a smaller pool. Exactly. Okay. That, that, so, I, didn't, I never thought of it that way, but you actually brought up a really good point. Damn, so we I might have to change my answer. <laughs> <laughs> so we need we need we need we need the Olympics for the marketing side of dodgeball. We need to tell people, hey, this is in the Olympics. This is gonna grow. This is gonna be. It's all for that side of things. But for the game and the beauty of the game to to increase its level on its own, the World Cup is or the World Championships is basically the top of the game. Olympics would just be a brand. Wow, that, that actually blew my mind because I cannot dispute that at all. I'm just not and, going in. <laughs> and realistically, I don't think we would be able to see dodgeball in Olympics in our lifetime, though. <laughs> we've got Sadly. sports. Yeah, we've got sports like squash. We've got sports like frisbee who are way bigger than us, way more prestigious than us, who's still in the waiting list to be part of the Olympics. Okay, I'm gonna sound like a complete moron. What is squash? Oh, so squash is oh no, it's it's not it's you're not a complete moron. It's just not as known in in the rest of the world, I feel. But basically, 
a wall in front of you, a ball, and then it's like playing badminton but half court, and the ball bounces back and then it swaps to the other player. Oh, so that's squash. Yeah. Okay. So imagine um, badminton half court. Okay. So, huh? So I have a, a few friends who do play ba- uh, badminton, but they use squash as a drill. Oh, okay. That would that would sort of work, actually. Yeah. Yeah, because of the ball, the I don't know what it's called, but the little thing with the yeah the squash the ball, I guess. Yeah, a squash ball, like it bounces, and if you hit it against the wall, it like shoots back. Yeah, so it's supposed exactly. to mimic a serve. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. All right. No, so I've, I have seen it, but in a different way. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, it's actually like tennis, but half court. Yeah ball racket size and you get to bounce the ball twice it once before it lands all right uh question number three uh what is your career highlight what is my career highlight oh wow i'm sure you had some cool plays to look up (laughs) um i i'm in between the finals the finals in australia Felt like a highlight, yet not a highlight. Uh, oh, I, I okay. This one semi-finals, twenty sixteen Australia, Malaysia versus uh, Aus- Malaysia versus Australia to fight for the finals. I took over the left wing, which is not my usual role, but just I was I was performing really well on that day, so I managed to hit all the players. Uh, managed to play against and took the right shots in, and I feel like I at least carry a good percentage into. Winning us the Australia, uh, winning us the game in Australia to get into the finals. So definitely, that is probably my highlight. Semi-finals, so so that would be twenty sixteen. Yeah, twenty sixteen. Yeah, because the, the year after that would be Markham, Ontario. Yeah, and I think that was that was Canada. That was a point of difference. Yeah. The there's a, there's a there's another sort of personal highlight uh, I have, which is the round robin with Australia, uh, with Malaysia versus Canada in the round robin. Um, basically, I mean this is quite interesting. I'm not sure if everyone would agree or not, but it's basically 20, 2015, 2014, 2013, the years before, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Malaysia was selected based off the team that wins the national league okay okay and then 2016 was the first year they introduced statistics to pick the national team so you play the team so not necessarily the team that wins gets to go uh then they go through a whole national selection program that was my first year representing uh malaysia but in 2016 the game styles of the game style of dodgeball in general was slow. It was still, it was still the game style of four, when you got four balls, you just throw two balls, you come back and hope something happens. It was a very slow pace, correct? Right. And in in that and when round round robin came, we were playing Malaysia. We were losing all of our big games. We were losing to. We were losing to USA, we were losing to Australia, we were losing all this. And these games like we felt like we shouldn't be losing, we're like so close, why are we losing? And we're playing not the way we play. 
me, 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 Hengwe, Pyong, and Weisheng. Okay, four of us. We are like best. We're best friends. Uh, we start dodgeball together. We play together. We do all kinds of things together. Uh, we're in the same team in Malaysia as well. It's called Earthshakers, and the style that we play is a very fast-paced game. Okay, like insanely. The 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 games that you see me play is based off that. The games you see Pyong play, the games you see Weisheng play. We we play this really fast kind of game. Very, like you. You, you you go for the exchange. We'll 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 dodge it. We are not necessarily big throwers, but we're just like just a fast kind of exchanging kind of game. Yeah. We we sat down because we were losing to all the games, and then just before the Canada game, we said, "Guys, why are we not playing the way we always play? We always played this style, which is the Earthshaker style. At the starting of it, it was just four of us. We we play really fast." And that's the reason why we always can we win the leagues because we were just athletically better than most people in Malaysia at that time. Uh, we had a, like a two-year winning streak because we played fast and no one could keep up with our pace. And then we said, guys, we need to be playing this style because this is where sort of this is how we should be playing dodgeball and this is how we're going to win those games. And we played Canada, and we we just bamboozled them. We they were just caught off guard. They were just surprised that this fast pace just came out of nowhere and they couldn't adapt. And then we actually managed to pull all the points and actually nearly, like we played this really rush game, really counted game, very fast game. We're like, even the ball, even though we had four, three balls, we were still going for it. And we were going, we were like closing the gap is what we call it. We closed the gap consistently. And which is, which when you see Malaysia plays is that close gap. And seeing that, and then we didn't manage to win the game because somebody counted the points wrong, and then we subbed a lot of players in to give them experience, and we lost the game in the end. But we were definitely sure that we could have win one Canada at that start goal, and then that led into us going into semi-finals, uh, semi-finals, and then finals, and playing the whole in Australia and stuff like that. I'd say this is a personal highlight for me because personally, I feel like that is where dodgeball actually changed for the world. I feel like that was the moment we introduced a really fast dodgeball game that's kind of shaped dodgeball for the next two to three years. And I don't know if you know this, but ever since then, 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, people were crazy of like how good Malaysia is. And like, because Malaysia has never been like second or like high. Oh, 2015 they did, but in general, Malaysia is not known to be the guys who's going to win it, who's going to win it, and turn it into a winning game because we changed the strat into a really aggressive, fast-paced game. And then we noticed all the other countries started being more athletic and trying playing to the pace that we had. And they were trying to like fight us in that sense. I feel like that was the highlight because it just feels like, I don't know if everyone agrees with it or not, but it feels like that was the highlight for me of how dodgeball was shaped for three for the next like at least three four years before the defensive meta came in it was a very aggressive fast meta that me and my friends came up with in the malaysian squad so yeah i don't know is that a highlight yeah i mean you definitely the the way i would describe it is i think you gave malaysia its identity or rather you changed it you changed it in a way that after Australia, you've guys consistently been to the final. I think, did you guys, you guys won in Canada? Yeah, we won in Canada after you that. You swept in Canada, women's and men's, yeah. Yeah. Um, you're, 
Yeah, you guys changed the identity and the destiny of your nation. And now, as far as playing goes, like you guys are always one of the favorites. And I mean, I say this respectfully, but you guys give us a lot of problems. <laughs> and that, <laughs> like, just, but, but, you know, I, I say that out of respect because you're, you're never out of it. Like, even if we have two or three points ahead as far as the USA Malaysia matchup, like you yep. don't count that out until it's over. Yep. Yep. You're not out until you're out. And that's just, you guys have <laughs> something of uh, athleticism in that regard and just an understanding of what to do against us and just what to do to get to that point that yeah. the world is still trying to catch up to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I, it was, I will say that. Yeah, and it was it was strange because like, it was just a night of just like guys we are not doing well. It's like one of those post post game day nights where everyone's getting together. The the girls are there crying, but the guys are just like, mm, guys, we're not doing well. What's wrong? <laughs> and it just it just started from there. All right. Um. Okay, so this is gonna be kind of gloomy, yeah. but I'm gonna ask you a two part question actually. All right. What do you want to achieve in dodgeball that you haven't? And what does life look like after dodgeball? Oh, okay. First one. Um, what do I want to achieve? I don't know. That's the that's the sort of weird part. Like I feel like I've achieved what I kind of wanted to do, and maybe I want to achieve right now is more of I want to achieve going back into the main squad. Because I've been out of it uh, for two years. I played for GB and then there was a year I didn't play. And because of all my injuries, I think a personal goal is I want to achieve a skill level that is better than me in Australia. Because I think Australia was my peak. I had no injuries and that was my first kind of worlds. And the following year was supposed to be my... Like, you know, when after, after you play your first big tournament, the next tournament is going to be your, your better self. I never yeah. got a chance to do that because I got injured straight away. So, so that's so why want, like my personal goal is I want to be better than I was in 2016 despite all my injuries. I want to hit my peak because I feel like I haven't hit, hit my peak yet. Man, you're only 25, so you still got time. <laughs> I mean... Uh, 25 and two broken knees, man. <laughs> two I broken. mean... That may be, but we have a player out here. His name was Chris Bell, who retired last year. He had broken his knees, both his knees, I want to say four or five times, and he oh, won the national title. Oh, for real? Oh, yeah, right. and he's consistently one of the best players on the court despite having numerous knee injuries, shoulder injuries. and yep. um, And he's younger. He's younger than – well. He's older than you, but you know, he was like 25 when he had all those injuries, similar injuries, I would say. Um, right, right. But you still have time. I think catch him as well, right? Uh, yeah, catch him, catch him as well. I think catch him is 26, 27. Yeah, uh, um, like loads of surgeries as well. He, he yeah, was telling he, you about it. Yeah, he, he had uh, what was it? Two, two on both on his knees, his shoulder. And I want to say something on his back as well. And I mean, you still got time as broken as you feel, you still got time. So mm. I wouldn't count you out. 
Uh, I will try. I will definitely try my hardest for that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and what does life look like after dodgeball? Have you thought about that? Uh, in terms of life, well, I guess this is it. <laughs> That's like, it. This is life after dodgeball, isn't it? This yeah. is what it will look like. God. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's. I think uh, amongst most people uh, who treat dodgeball like everything, I feel like, and as I'm proud to say that my bunch of friends, we didn't treat dodgeball like it was everything. We had a career outside and we had, we, we were balanced enough to not be so alienated when we don't have dodgeball. Yeah, I, I know some people who it's like, oh, dodgeball is the only thing in life and that was that's it for them. Uh, so I'm actually pretty okay even now and probably next five to 10 years you'd be like, oh, if there's no dodgeball, it's okay. I'm still living life, doing other things, career, chasing my career and stuff like that. That's a positive outlook. <laughs> I mean, yeah. for me right now, I would say, you know, we have a phrase in America, ball is life. So um, <laughs> yeah, I don't see anything different or changing anytime soon. Yeah. No, see, we used to have that two years ago, three years ago. We we were we were that like dodgeball was everything. It was four times a week to five times a week was dodgeball like for us. Uh, and I think I don't know whether the scene just got really the competition was less. Uh, it's not as competitive anymore. It's not as fun as anymore. It's not as hype as anymore anymore. Or we just kind of just grew up. Uh, we just grew and focused our career. So I don't know. It was Paul's life, but now it's living the afterlife. <laughs> living the afterlife. Can we change that? <laughs> living the afterlife? <laughs> that sounds so bleak. <laughs> so bleak. Oh, hey, man, afterlife is cool. Afterlife is cool. Uh, you sound like a ghost. <laughs> All right, so this has been a fun interview. This has been... I don't even know how long we've been talking for, but it doesn't feel yeah. like it's been forever. <laughs> um, but you've been mentioned on a few previous installments of the international series. So you got to give props to Amy, Greg, uh, Greg Whitehouse. Uh, oh, that's uh, insane. Uh, they are amazing people. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to let you flip the script. Um, do you have any <laughs> questions for me? Yeah. Hey, why, why dodgeball? I'm sorry, what was that? Why dodgeball? Like, why do what? I love it so much? Or Yeah, yeah. Just like, why, man? <laughs> <laughs> well, kind of kind of brief. Um, I love the fact that it's, it's a game that treats athleticism and intellect in equal measure. Right. Um, I've seen plenty of great athletes in the game. Mm -hmm. Um that just never go anywhere because they never learn. And right. I've seen several people who are smart individuals who just don't put in the time in the gym or time in the film study. Yep. They're, yep. they're smart. They know what they're talking about, but they move very flat footed or they're not team oriented or they're not coordinated enough to yep. move yep. their left and right feet. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it's a game that rewards athleticism and showcases dynamic play. Yep. All the while giving tactics, it's time to shine. So 
I, I call it, um, I've said this before, I call it a game of, where the Rubik's Cube is constantly changing. Yes. If you solve a, a Rubik's Cube on one side, it stays solved until you move another piece. But what if you're yep. solving a Rubik's Cube and then you fix the other side, but then the side you just fix has to be refixed. So it's like dodgeball. Um, right. Constantly changing. The probabilities of variables in play, um, the space, the decision-making. Yep. It's yep. constantly changing. And it's one of those things where it's like coming from a martial arts background, coming from a football background, yep. I just love and adapt it so well to it. And it's physically demanding without it being physical in a way that the contact is between the ball and the player, not the player and player. Yep, yep, exactly. That's why I love oh, it. That's insane, man. That's insane. Yeah, I like, I like, yeah, I, like, <laughs> I, like, I like the Rubik's Cube analogy. Because well, you think about it, like solve a Rubik's Cube right now, wherever you are. That, yeah. that side gets solved, then you got the other six sides to solve. And then you solve it, and then it's over. But what if the sides constantly change? Now you have yeah. to adjust your thought patterns and adapt accordingly. Yep. <laughs> That's a nice one. <clears throat> All right, second question, man. Uh, where do you see Dodgeball heading to it? Well, initially I would have said at the Olympics, but honestly, because of that well put, well put answer, I want I want to say just give worlds more exposure. Yeah, give worlds more exposure um, because that's our biggest event right now. Yeah, that's the that's event true. where if you really want to get fans, if you really want to draw people out, yeah. it's national teams. For now, that'd be the safest thing. Like yep. for me, I'm not a hockey fan but I watch USA hockey. Yep. I want to see them beat Canada. I want to see them beat Finland. <laughs> but I don't <laughs> a single day in NHL. I mean, I do yep. watch an occasional game here and there, but there's yep. something about fans representing their country, being proud of their country, and just yep. proud of the players that come from, in your case, uh, Kuala Lumpur or Los Angeles or Cardiff. You know, just there's a sense yep. of pride attached to the flag that you're wearing because it's not about the name on the back. It's about the banner in the front. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, if we get more exposure on the world's end and, and, yep. to, and to kind of give you uh, kind of give you an, a little bit of analysis, um, Cancun, mm -hmm. um, when they were streaming on Twitch for yep. that week, if you look back on the numbers, it was the number one most viewed thing on Twitch that week. Oh, for real? Yeah, it wasn't Fortnite. It wasn't Call of Duty. It wasn't Mortal Kombat. Are you for real? Not. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow, that's cool. Wow. Yeah. So there were people watching Dodgeball, some that we know, some that we don't. Yeah. Stuck around and watched five that's days. Ins that's insane. Wow, I did not know that. That is really... That's on the numbers, like to think that for one week dodgeball raked in more views than Twitter, uh, than um, Fortnite. Yeah, that's that's huge, dude. Or um, World of Warcraft or whatever these kids are playing. Yeah. <laughs> so, like we raked in more numbers in one week than the more established games. Yeah. So. Oh, that's insane, dude. That, wow. I didn't wow, that should be that should be publicized more. <laughs> I, I didn't even know about this. Yeah. Um I know Dodgeball Canada posts their matches on Twitch. I think Dodgeball yeah. Italy. I'm not sure about Malaysia. Um, 
but yeah just yeah, hop yeah, on yeah. twitch man there's a there's a market already yeah. there yeah i mean they even show quidditch on twitch <laughs> they show quidditch on twitch <laughs> yeah uh, like it's there the market is there yeah maybe they, so maybe this is like a little bit of discussion but what happens when see the the thing about like having more countries exposed and the or at least the Glasgow plan was to have two disciplines, right? And two to find a court, yeah, two disciplines of sport. So cloth and foam with as much countries as possible, right? Right. Uh, but what happens when we can't logistically handle too many countries? Then we have to have qualifiers and then that's still going to limit into like 10, 10 teams that goes into the World Champs or World Cup. Or well, whatever. That obviously that's above my head, but I would say if we can accommodate X amount of people, X amount of teams, go for yeah. it. Give yeah. our sport a platform that it needs because we're not at a point where we can exclude anyone. Yep. You know what I mean? Like the World Cup is what, sixteen teams? Yep. Sixteen? Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's safe where it's at. Yeah. You want to earn your spot at the World Cup, fight yeah. your way out of your region. Yeah, so it's like a qualifying thing. Yeah, right now, I so, don't think we need it. We yeah. need more exposure. We need more dynamic athletes. And we need more highlights. You yeah. know what I mean? Like there's several. I'm pretty sure if I go back on your library, you yeah. probably pulled out a play that you forgot about. And that could yeah. go viral. Yeah. You know, I can point out several highlights of Amy Jones and that can go viral. Yeah. I can point out several highlights of Stephen Dumbe from London Storm, and that can go viral. We have <laughs> athletes that can go viral. It can't just be one person. Yeah, exactly. The more of us that catch the storm, the better. Yeah. So, you know? so yeah. So I think that's why I'm trying to pick pick around. It's like maybe the dependency to be viral isn't dependent on how many countries get involved, but more so the use of all the resources we already have now, we can go viral. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I wasn't making a point. I was just thinking. I was just thinking about it out loud. No, same. I'm, we're scary similar in that way. Yeah, because I'm thinking if like, if like we, if we include more countries, the world champ is still going to be the same size because we are at this level where it's big enough to be safe at like 16 teams, like you said. Anymore, we can't accommodate, but the regional side will get bigger. Well, it depends on the venue size. If we can accommodate 16, why not get 16? Yeah. Like we're, we're not in a point where we can turn people away. We need viewership. Yeah, this is true, but which is also when I was speaking to like them doing the Glasgow thing, You'll be surprised. They cannot find a venue that fits more than. So Glasgow was two categories, um, six courts, and a total number of uh, men's and female for both disciplines means four different categories that could fit about 64 teams, 64 unique teams, basically. And they cannot find a court that's bigger than six courts in the whole of UK. So... I think I mean, in America now, is the only place that can sort of accommodate to yeah. such a huge number. I mean, I know a gym literally an hour away from where I live that can accommodate more than that and then some. 
Yeah. Because I can tell you, even in Malaysia, there's no there's no facility that we have that can <laughs> host more than six quads. Uh, in maybe Hong Kong and Australia, I don't think they even have that actually. Yeah, I mean that's that's above my head, but I mean, I was looking forward to it. I already bought my tickets to go, and oh man, this year is just the theme of <laughs> refunds and cancel trips. <laughs> <laughs> oh well right. hopefully next year man yeah I'm, I'm training for it man i'm training oh, for yes. it yes. and i'm yes, hoping man. to go out to malaysia to play foam out there just because i want to see what it's like over there <laughs> oh dude if you come please by all means let me know dude i will sort you out <laughs> <laughs> thank you man thank you um so we're about to wrap this up uh do you have any shout outs you want to give Either here or in the UK. Uh, oh man, shout out to GB GBT man. I, I miss them. It's like it's been a year and this year just flew by. Yeah, GBT man. Honestly, just my best friends like Pyong, Weixing, and Hengui, dude. I man, I don't know what life would be like four or five years ago if I didn't start dodgeball and like with them. And honestly, it's it's been pretty good. It's it's, it's been pretty good with them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and shout out to uh, my my father, yeah, Murgler. I know you're listening. Dad, where's my allowance? Um, I'm I'm losing money here. Can you please send some? Thanks, Dad. Oh my God. Um, if anything, we learned from this episode is that Jason Murgler has a Malaysian son. <laughs> <laughs> Call me Kirby Murgler. Yep, yep. So. Oh God. <laughs> All right. And- and that was my interview with Kirby. Kirby, thank you so much for hopping on and talking dodgeball with me and even going into a little tangent with the Premier League. Uh, I think that's actually the first time we went on a tangent in the international series. And to the listeners, um, thank you so much for just really enjoying this podcast and enjoying this in this series because I was admittedly nervous uh, wanting to kick this off, but um, I'm glad that I've gotten some good reviews off of that. So thank you guys so much for that. And yeah, in case you guys didn't notice, um, Kirby has played on two national teams. So he's got unique perspectives on both. Um, if you've listened thus far, if you've got to this point, thank you so much. I'll announce who I have next coming up uh, real shortly. Um, but until then, Take care and have a wonderful day.